So today we are starting a brand new series, and uh, this series is kind of an outward series. And what I mean by that is that, is that we want to be a church that is outward-facing. And, and like what we always say, uh, we, we don't want to be a church that exists for ourselves, but for the sake of the city where we're located. Uh, we we want to be a church that if, if we were like zapped out tomorrow um, and we were gone, we want the, the city to miss us. Uh, we want our community to miss us if we were gone. Uh, we want to be a church not only in the city of Batesville, but a church for the city of Batesville and beyond. And so what might that look like? Well, uh, the, the language that I, I want to use for, for this idea of being an outward-focused church, a church that exists for our community, is the language of faithful presence. Can we all say that together? Faithful presence. We want to be a faithful presence here in Batesville and beyond. All of our friends and neighbors here in Batesville, we want to be a faithful presence, uh, both corporately and individually. Um, I'm part of a reading group and uh, of, with a few guys in this church, and we, we read uh, books together, and one of the books we read was called To Change the World, and it was all about how we, we live in this uh, late modern world of increasingly secular world, an increasingly hostile world, a world that's increasingly polarized, um, and uh, a, a place that's, that's increasingly um, unwelcome to Christian belief. And the guy was asking in the book, how do we, how do we have an impact? How do we uh, be, be attractive in this sort of a world for the gospel? And, and what he said is that most Christians say, well, we need to go out and we need to transform the culture. Uh, we need to go out there and uh, maybe fight the culture wars and win the culture back. And he says, actually, this is not the way to change the world. He says, he says one of the best ways to change the world is quiet, uh, it's subtle, and the way he described it was with this language, the way to change the world is to be a faithful presence of Jesus in the world. A quiet, consistent, faithful presence. And I love that language, and I kept on thinking, this is exactly what I want our church to be. I want us to be a faithful presence, a, a church that's present in our community, right? We're not, you know, you know, we're not isolating ourselves and turning away. We're present, but we're there in a subtle, faithful, quiet sort of way, loving our neighbors, uh, impacting the world for the gospel. So how do we do this? How do we become a faithful presence? Well, that's what the series is about. That we're, gonna, that we're embarking on today. We're, looking, we're gonna look at three things we can do as a church to be a faithful presence in our community, right? Three, three things we could do as a church, three practices that we can engage in that will enable us to be a quiet, subtle, and yet faithful, impactful presence on our community. And the first thing we're gonna look at today is, is in order to be a faithful presence, uh, we as Christians need to be a community of hospitality, one of the best ways to be a faithful presence to our community is to be a church that is hospitable. This is one of the best ways uh, that we can have an impact on our culture, on our community. Now, when you think about hospitality, maybe some of you are thinking, like, really, that's it? Hospitality? It's because in our language, hospitality, the word there, is sort of wimpy, and you know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't carry so much of an impact. When you think of hospitality, what do you think of? Martha Stewart, 
right? You think of Martha Stewart, everything's perfect, you know, and the house is perfect, and she invites the guests in, and everybody's entertained, and everybody's impressed. You might think of Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? You know, with the shiplap and the open concept, and she, they're inviting everybody in, and they're drinking wine, and everybody's impressed with the home, and, and, and you're showing hospitality. Uh, if you Google hospitality on the, on the, on the internet, uh, what you come up with the hospitality industry, hotels, uh, restaurants, um, uh, you know, the food industry. Uh, that's what we think about when we think about hospitality, entertainment, uh, everything's perfect, and nothing could be further away from the biblical concept of hospitality. In the, in the Bible, hospitality is, is, is so powerful and so pungent and so important. In fact, when you look throughout the New Testament, the Bible is always exhorting Christians to show hospitality. And so at one point it says, above all, this is in 1 Peter 4, above all, love one another and show hospitality without grumbling. That's in 1 Peter. And then in the book of 1 Timothy, uh, Paul, uh, he's talking to elders and leaders of the church. And one of the requirements to be an elder is hospitality. Elders must be hospitable. Now you hear of elders being kicked off the board for maybe horrible things, but whoever, who, who comes to an elder and says, you're not opening your home? You're off the board, right? But for elders, that's one of the requirements in the New Testament is they must show hospitality. Uh, widows, in the book of, book of Titus, it says that um, widows uh, with, their, uh, with their widowhood need to be showing hospitality. And so over and over again in the New Testament, uh, Christians are told to be hospitable. Uh, it's a really important thing. It's one of the requirements to be an elder. And so what does it mean? Well, it's more than simply uh, being uh, you know, uh, putting on a good show or, or putting on a good dinner or making sure that guests have a good time when they enter your home. Being hospitable literally means welcoming the stranger. It means treating strangers like neighbors so that some of those strangers might become family of God. It's a powerful, powerful concept. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus uh, was always showing this sort of hospitality. In fact, you might even say that hospitality is one of the main marks of Jesus' ministry. He did it over and over and over again. Now, I want to pivot a little bit off of Sam's message last week. Um, Sam talked about how Jesus was someone who was always seeking the lost. Right? In fact, so you might say that Jesus' mission, he says it several times, is to seek and save the lost. He says it over and over again. I came into this world to seek and save the lost. Now, if that's Jesus' mission, then Jesus' primary method of doing this is hospitality. Welcoming strangers in. Uh, showing um, openness and, and uh, welcome to people that are on the outside. This is the way Jesus did it, through hospitality. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at one of these stories where Jesus shows hospitality. It's in, it's in Luke chapter 19, and it's a picture of hospitality. A picture is worth a thousand words. And so this is a little story of what it might look like for us to follow Jesus in showing people hospitality. What might it look like to, to invite strangers in so that they might feel like family and ultimately uh, become family of God? Well, this is a story that shows us what that might look like. As we go through the story, I want us to see three marks of biblical hospitality. Number one, it involves a stranger. 
Number two, it involves an invitation. And finally, it involves a transformation. Picture of hospitality here. Let's, let's begin the story uh, with a picture of a stranger. It says, he, or Jesus, this is verse one, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking, uh, he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. No jokes here about short people. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, as the old King James puts it, but he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he saw him. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried, he came down, he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He was gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, is what they said. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Hospitality always begins with a stranger. Now, most people, when they look at this story, uh, they almost view it as a, as a cute, sentimental, you know, Sunday school-esque kind of a, a story. Right, here's Zacchaeus, he's a wee little man. You can kind of picture it on, on, a, on a flannel board, almost as if the point of the story is that Jesus loves short people too, which of course I appreciate that. But this story was much more than that. The original readers would have saw it as dangerous and disruptive to the status quo. Because it begins with the way Jesus treats a stranger, and the stranger is Zacchaeus. And a stranger is somebody that, that uh, is on the outside. It's somebody that would have been given a label instead of a name. It's somebody that might, in fact, be an enemy. Someone that might be hated in the culture. And that's exactly what Zacchaeus was. Uh, it says that he was a tax collector. And in the ancient uh, culture, the ancient Jewish culture, uh, tax collectors were, were on the, one of the row, uh, lowest rungs of the social ladder. Um, it, they would have been on the lowest, one of the ro- lowest rungs of the social and moral ladder. And every culture has a moral ladder. And in that culture, at the very bottom, would have been tax collectors and prostitutes. And why is that? It's because tax collectors were essentially extortionists. And so uh, the Roman government, they taxed the people of Israel heavily, uh, more uh, than, than they should have. And so uh, the tax collectors, what they did is they enforced this tax, this very unjust tax. But they would do more than that. They would add on top of the tax their, their own fee that they would then pocket, right? And so if you're a tax collector and let's say the, the Roman tax was 50% of your income, uh, you know, as, as a tax collector, you'd see maybe Peter coming with his, you know, catch of the day, you know, with his fish. And you would say, listen, uh, w- what you need to pay me is 70% tax, Right, 50% for the Roman government, you would add 20%, you would take that for yourself. And they would have to give you the money because it was enforced by the Roman garrison at the point of a sword. Right, and so here's Zacchaeus, he's made himself rich. Uh, 
by, by extorting his own people. He would have been viewed as a traitor. He would have been viewed as a, as a thief, as an enemy. Everybody in that Jewish culture hated tax collectors. They were the enemy. He is a stranger, in other words. And so uh, hospitality begins with a person like this with a person like this. And, and, and the story is asking you to sort of think about your own life. Who are the Zacchaeuses in your life? Not the short people in your life, but who are, the, who are the strangers in your life? Who are the people in your life that you are tempted to give a label to instead of a name? Who are the people that you might despise? Who are the people that irritate you? Who is the other? Who is the person that, that, that you w- would never want to to even get to know because you view them as the enemy. You know, who are the people that you just wish, you know, society, our world would be so much better if they would just go away. This is the type of person Zacchaeus was. So an example in our day might be, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a conservative, uh, you know, evangelical Republican, maybe that person might be an LGBTQ activist. Right, somebody who you think, you know, I find your, your lifestyle and your beliefs offensive. Might be that person. If you're, if you're a progressive Democrat, this person might be that staunch, right-wing, conservative Republican. You just think our world would be so much better if you would just go away. Right, this is the stranger, this is the other, this is Zacchaeus, the person that is unwelcome, the person who is outside of your social circle. Now, in the story... If you look at it, you know, where is Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is squarely on the outside, right? Here's Jesus, and Zacchaeus wants to, he he would like to know Jesus. He'd like to get a glimpse of Jesus, but he can't, why? He is outside of that social circle. He can't get in, right? And so, and so here, this is a person of an, this is a picture of a person who's an outsider. He is outside the circle. He's an unwelcome person. a guest here at this, at this teaching that Jesus is giving. He's ignored at best. At worst, he's despised. And again, who are these people in your life? Right, there, there are people in this world that, that we may find their lifestyle offensive or their beliefs offensive. We might not like them, but maybe they are interested in Jesus and they can't get to him because we've put them so strongly on the outside of our circle. There's a great story of a, of a woman. I don't know if this is true. This is sort of a preacher story. But I'm a preacher, so I can still tell stories like this. Uh, this woman, she wanted to join a church. It was a well-to-do church, and she was very, very poor. And uh, so she came to the pastor one day and says, I'd like to join. He said, why don't you go home and pray about it? He didn't want her in his congregation. He didn't want her to, uh, you know, bring down uh, the kind of image that they had in the community. Why don't you go home and pray about it? So she went home and prayed about it. She came back and said, I still want to join. He said, why don't you go home, pray about it a little bit harder. So she went home and she prayed about it again and she came back. No, 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 go home, get on your knees, really pray about it. And so this poor woman is at home on her knees and she's praying, God, I just want to get into the church. I want to worship you. And they won't let me in. And then she heard a voice. It was Jesus. He says, don't worry. I've been trying to get into that church for years. They haven't let me in. So here's a picture of a man that is not let in. He's on the outside. He's a stranger. It's because of his lifestyle. It's because of uh, what he represented. He was, a, he was a label. He wasn't a person. 
And the story's begging us to ask the question, who are these people in our lives? Who are the strangers? Well, notice what Jesus does. The stranger's on the outside, and, and, and the, the right thing to do would be for Jesus to do what everybody else was doing and ignore Zacchaeus. Just pretend like he's not there. Right, there's the crowd, and just to go inside, be inside the crowd and, and just go with them and pass Zacchaeus right by. That would have been the right thing to do. Uh, you know, just stay within the circle. Don't, don't uh, mess things up here. Don't do anything weird, Jesus. But Jesus is always doing weird things. And here, w- what does he do? He, he leaves the circle, and it says that in verse five, when Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus was up in the tree, it says he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay in your house today. What does Jesus do? He, he, he breaks out of the circle. He goes right through the crowd. He makes a beeline for Zacchaeus up in the tree. And he does something shocking. He, had, he, he engages this outsider, this this tax collector in conversation. And that would have been shocking enough. That would have raised enough eyebrows uh, just to even talk to him. But notice what else he does. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. Now, we find that shocking because Jesus invited himself over for dinner. Right? I love the little bracelet. What would Jesus do? Well, one thing Jesus did was he invited himself to dinner. So you have permission to invite yourself over. That's what he did. The shocking thing about this isn't so much that Jesus, you know, invited himself to dinner here. He sort of had to. It's sort of like, you know, I'm homeless, Zacchaeus. You're rich. You do the math. I'm coming to your house. Right? This, it was more than just that. It was the fact that Jesus uh, was willing to sit down and have a meal with this man. In that ancient culture, meals were way more important than they are in our world today. Because when you had a meal with somebody, it, it, it revealed that you accepted them. It revealed that you welcomed them into your life. Uh, Mary Douglas, who wrote a groundbreaking essay on uh, ancient meals, she said that meals were boundary markers. And it was so important, not only who you invited to a meal, but who you excluded from a meal. You would reinforce the social boundaries with the meals that you, that you ate, with who you invited to dinner and who you didn't invite to dinner. Meals were incredibly significant. And what you see over and over and over again with Jesus is that he's always eating meals with the wrong people. Tax collectors are at his meals. Prostitutes are at his meals. Women uh, who had five husbands, <laughs> he invited to dinner. Jesus was always me- eating meals with the wrong people. And this is why the Pharisees were so frustrated and they always accused him of what? This man eats with sinners. And it was, that was such a scandalous thing to do because again, meals were insignificant. They were signs of welcome. They were signs of acceptance. And so here Jesus looks at a stranger and he welcomes the stranger into his life. He invites him to a meal. Now, even in our world today, when you think about meals, uh, they are, and parties and, and getting invitations like this are, they're, even still, they're significant. You know, if you're not invited to a party, you hear about a birthday party and, and you, you think to yourself, well, I didn't get an invite to that. Why, how come I wasn't invited? You feel kind of put out a little bit. 
Or maybe you're at a birthday party and you're like, everybody's here. Who's not here? How come this person's not here? And even now that's sort of a thing like, you know, the people that we invite to meals kind of show a little bit of, of who we invite into our life and welcome into our life. I remember going to a, a party one time. It was sort of an uppity party. I can't believe I was invited. But the whole time I was there, I remember feeling like I need to impress people here. I need to talk right. I, need, I made sure I dressed right. And I was just trying to, you know, g- you know get in the, the, the right sort of conversations there and impress everybody. And by the, by the time I went home, I was exhausted. Because even in our world, the, these meals can be kind of... Uh, Uh, situations of exclusion or inclusion. And what Jesus was always doing was inviting the wrong people into his life, into a meal, into acceptance, into his embrace. Now notice he looks at Zacchaeus and he calls him Zacchaeus. In other words, to Jesus, Zacchaeus wasn't a label. He wasn't a political party. He wasn't, a, he wasn't an ideology. He wasn't a lifestyle. He was a person. He was a person. Zacchaeus, he says. And he invites him in. And, and one of the things that Jesus, by inviting somebody into a meal like this, you were, you were giving a person dignity. You were saying, you know what? I may not agree with you, and I may not like what you're doing. I, I may not even you know, think that God approves of what you're doing, but you know what? You're a human being made in God's image, and therefore you have infinite dignity and value and worth. And so by inviting people into his life, Jesus was saying, you know, listen, you're valuable. You're a person with a history, and I want to get to know you. Notice when he invites him in, he doesn't say, listen, Zacchaeus, you change your lifestyle, and then you can come over to my house, or then I'll go over to your house. He doesn't say change and then I'll welcome you in. He says, let me welcome you in, regardless of whether you change. You see, what what Jesus was saying is that I don't necessarily have to approve of you to accept you. Acceptance and approval are two different things. And you can belong before you believe. And so what Jesus was doing here with Zacchaeus is he was showing hospitality. This is what it is. It's welcoming the stranger. It's saying, I may not agree with you or approve of you, but I'm going to accept you. And I'm going to open my life up to you, even if you're different, even if you're on the outside, even if you're somebody that everybody else gives a label to. This is hospitality. Uh, Literally, the biblical word hospitality is philoxenia. Can we all say that? Philo, xenia. Philo means love. Xenia means stranger. Hospitality is love of not the person who's like you, not the person who agrees with you. It's love of the stranger and love shown by welcoming you in, inviting you, you into my life. And because of this, Zacchaeus, I think, felt tremendous love from Jesus. And I think what Jesus is showing us here is that, man, the way to be a faithful presence, the way to really impact this world for Jesus is to, is to invite people in like this, is to love them into belief. You know, Tim Keller says it like this. He says, people are rarely argued into belief. 
they're almost always loved into belief. And one of the best ways to show love is to invite somebody into your life. My kids, uh, a couple nights ago, they were in the bathtub, and uh, I heard screaming in the, in the bathtub. It was my sons, uh, Luke and Micah. And I go in there, and, and Luke is grabbing onto Micah, and Micah is screaming his head off. I said, Luke, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to dunk Micah under the water. I said, why are you doing that? He says, well, I'm baptizing him. <laughs> and I... <laughs> Pastor's kids, you know, this is what they do, right? And so here's, here's Luke, you know, force baptizing Micah down into the water. You will get baptized, right? And here's Micah screaming, no, no, you can't do this. And uh, I think a lot of times we think this is how people get saved. <laughs> we argue them into the belief. We wrestle them into belief. We fight them into belief. We win the cultural wars. No, 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 no. People are loved into belief, People are invited into friendship where they know that you love them. They're accepted into belief. You you welcome them into a safe place where they can be themselves and ask their questions and be okay where they are. And you say, you know what, I'm not going to come at you with judgment, but I'm going to come at you with welcome and, and, and let's just talk. And let's just see where that leads. Well, where it leads in this story is that this man who is welcomed by Jesus is transformed. So we saw a stranger, we saw an invitation, and finally we see a transformation. Uh, It says here, and so he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. So Zacchaeus runs down the tree, he receives Jesus after this invitation. And when he saw it, they all, the, the, the Pharisees all grumbled, of course they're grumbling, right? You don't accept people like this, you don't welcome people like this, they're grumbling, that Jesus would dare to even talk to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, um, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone, anything I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. There's the mission. And this man was saved. Zacchaeus came into the family of God. Why? Because of Jesus' hospitality. A stranger was invited to be a friend, and ultimately he became family of God. Transformation uh, in Zacchaeus' life. And, and so, uh, you know, hospitality like this, it may not, uh, you know, automatically end in salvation. Uh, you may have a, a friend uh, who for years you invite them in and you love them. You know, maybe a Muslim, maybe somebody who uh, doesn't, Uh, embrace Christian faith. They may never embrace Christian faith, but some of them will. Some of them, because of the love and because of of the welcome, they will say, you know, what what is this Christianity thing? And who is this God that opens his arms to me? There's a story, one of my favorite stories, of somebody who is changed by hospitality. Her name is Rosaria Butterfield. And uh, Rosaria Butterfield, she wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, where she talks about hospitality. And she, she talks about how hospitality changed her own life. So uh, Rosaria Butterfield, she was um, a far-left, radical, lesbian feminist. Uh, she was a tenured prof, a tenured prof at the University of uh, Syracuse University in New, in New York. She was a leader of the LGBTQ uh, community, uh, she wrote books about this, um, and, and at one point she wrote a little article in a New York paper 
about Christians, about uh, evangelical fundamentalist Christians. And it was, an, it was a scathing article about a men's uh, event that was being put on. And she basically said, Christians are, are what's wrong with the world. Evangelical, conservative Christians are what's wrong with the world. I wish they would all go away. It was a scathing article. And, and she explains that I got, she said she got hate mail from that article, from Christians. You know, letters saying, go to, you're going to hell, and how could you do this, and blah, blah, blah. She put all of them in a box, and she would meticulously go through each one of these letters one by one. But one of the letters was different. It was from a Christian pastor, and it was a letter that wasn't hateful. In fact, it was a gracious, a generous letter, and it, and it came with an invitation to his home. And so she thought, well, I'm, I'm doing research on the, you know, these fundamentalist Christians. I may as well get to know one of them. And so she goes over to his house, and she tells the story. She goes, and she parks in his driveway, and she sits there for the longest time, just afraid to go into the house of her enemy. And she goes up to the front door. She opens it up, and here's uh, this pastor. His name's Pastor Ken and his wife, Floyd. And she said, they, they, she said I, I remember, what I remember is that they looked me in the eye and they welcomed me into their home. And she said, we sat at his dinner table, we, we ate a meal, we drank a glass of wine, and we just talked. And she said, this one uh, uh, dinner invitation came in, came, turned into another one, which turned into another one, which turned into another one, and they became friends. Uh, every week, she'd go over to their house, and they would eat dinner together and talk about sexuality and life and politics and everything. And she said, it was without judgment in fact, he never invited me to church even. He just invited me into his home, and eventually she became a Christian because of this. And here's what she writes. This quote is going to come up on the screen. She said, <coughs> I came to follow Jesus because Ken and his wife, Floyd, chose to befriend an outsider. They gave me food and shelter and a safe place to be myself, the good and the bad and the broken. They entered into my world as I entered theirs. I came to Christ, or he came to me, through radically ordinary hospitality. Love that phrase. Let's steal it, shall we? And make it the title of our sermon. She goes on and she says this, those who practice radically ordinary hospitality see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, I don't know if this is up there, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors, they seek out the underprivileged, the outcast and the lost. They know that the gospel comes with a house key. And so Jesus is calling us to this sort of thing. You know, how do, how do we be a faithful presence? How do we be a community that's attractive? Subtle, quiet, yet attractive. We become a welcoming community that says you can belong before you believe. And even if I don't agree with you, I'm not going to label you. I'm going to call you by your name and invite you into my home. It's inviting people in to have conversations. It's getting to know people's histories and personalities and seeing them as image of God. And hopefully as we invite in the strangers, strangers can become neighbors, can become ultimately family of God. So how do we do this? Let me uh, give you eight ways to do hospitality. I know eight ways. 
It's not going to be very long. They're going to right after another. So first, uh, one thing you can do is ask people into your home. Do you, you have somebody in your neighborhood that you can invite over for dinner? Do you have a neighbor that maybe you find sort of offensive? Maybe you don't agree with their beliefs or their lifestyle? Maybe that's where God wants you to start. It's just invite somebody into your actual home for dinner. Or like Jesus did, invite yourself over. You can do that. Jesus did it. What would Jesus do? Invite yourself for dinner. Number two, invite people into your spiritual home. Right? We have a spiritual home, which is this church. Do you invite people to church? Invite people in. This is a welcoming place. This is a place where you can belong before you believe. Invite them into your small group. Sometimes people will never darken the doors of a church, but they may come in to a home or a small group. Are you, are you looking for strangers that you can invite into your spiritual home? You could host a small group in your house. So many of you are already doing this. You can host a small group in your home and watch people's lives transform as you do that, as you eat meals together, as you have discussions with one another. Uh, you could volunteer at Our Father's Table. This is a way to be hospitable. Our Father's Table is a ministry where we feed the hungry in our city, and you can just welcome people as they show up to get a free meal on Saturdays. Uh, you can join the welcome team of, at our church. Sam does a great job of, of helping lead our welcome team, and, and the welcome team essentially just invites people every Sunday here. They make sure that people feel like they're welcome. It takes titanic courage for some people to walk into a church. And you could be somebody that's just a smiling face as they walk in the door. Uh, during our welcome section here, during the, the break, when we break to, for the kids to go to Sunday school, you can go, you could look for people that you don't know, look for strangers, and come up and talk to them. You know, there are some people that come here and they sit through an entire service and nobody says a word to them. And you could, you, you could make a difference. You could come up and, and welcome somebody here at church just by asking their name and, and asking them, you know, why they came. You can come to the chili cook-off. You knew this was coming, right? Uh, you know, the chili cook-off, as Sam said in the video, this is not just a fun event. This is something that we are doing to be a faithful presence in our community. It's, it's an event that we're putting on right there on Main Street, right outside of our front door, to welcome people in. And so you can come, and if there are people that you don't know, you can welcome them. Uh, you can invite one of your neighbors to the chili cook-off. Again, this is a, an event of hospitality. It's an event that is, that's designed to welcome the strangers in, in our community. Man, I don't know if that was eight, but that's all I've got. And maybe you can think of some creative ways that you can do this. But, but radically ordinary hospitality. It's subtle, it's quiet, but it's an incredibly powerful way to be a faithful presence of Jesus and the gospel in Batesville and beyond. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for this uh, passage about Zacchaeus, uh, about an outsider, a stranger that, that Jesus welcomed in. It's not the only story. Uh, Jesus was always doing this as a model. It's a model of, of, of faithful presence. It's a model of, of being a community that, that doesn't come at, at, at outsiders with judgment or exclusion, but comes, comes at them with embrace and welcome. God, I pray that we as a church would be a welcoming church. I pray that we would um, catch a vision for inviting people in, having meals with folks that are on the outside, uh, getting to know others, 
seeing people as human beings, image of God instead of labels and even enemies. God, help us, Lord, to see where we could do this in our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.